Thank you for firing up the Sunrise Church podcast. My name is Steve Garcia, and I am the lead pastor at Sunrise. We are a community of Jesus followers from all walks of life, all colors of skin, and all ages. And I hope this message you hear today inspires you to deepen your connection with Christ. Let's dive in. Well, good morning, family. It is good to be with all of you. I want to welcome you to our Rialto campus for those of you who are in the room and want to welcome all who are watching with us online. In case you don't know, we've invested a lot of time and resources into a very robust online campus. And we have people who uh, attend this campus faithfully online every week. We've got people who just sort of found us on the internet. Uh, We've got some people who've moved from Sunrise out of state and they're still staying connected with us in the online campus people who watch in other countries, uh, people who are off on vacation who are watching even now on our online campuses, so we welcome all of you. And of course, for those of us who are in the room, thank God for air conditioning. <laughs> Let's not take that for granted, right? Well, hey, I, my name is Steve Garcia, and again, I, I just want to welcome you. If this is your first time especially, I'd love the opportunity to meet you. I'll be standing out here in the courtyard. I would love to give you a handshake or a fist bump, depending on your level of COVID comfort. Uh, so we'd love to, love to welcome you. And for all of you who are with us, week after week, we simply say welcome back. So here's a question I'd love to start us off with this morning. Have you ever worn the wrong shoes for the occasion and it tore up your feet? <laughs> I bet every single one of us has one of these stories where we picked the wrong shoes and our feet paid the price. I remember a couple of years ago, I, I needed some new shoes, and so I did some research on the internet and found this pair that boasted that it was so comfortable, you didn't need socks. That sounded great to me, and so I bought this pair of shoes, and when it arrived, I was ready to break it in without socks by going on a walk with my wife, and so we went out. Ten minutes in, I couldn't take another step. These things were so uncomfortable. I felt like I was walking in two pieces of Tupperware. <laughs> These things ripped open the back of my heels blisters on my toes after 10 minutes. I literally pulled them off my feet and finished the walk barefoot, gingerly tiptoeing across the sidewalk, looking like I'm auditioning for the ballet. I mean, these things were terrible. And I bet you've got a story like that too. You, know, you can never underestimate the importance of footwear until you get it wrong. You know, those of you who work in the food service industry have to wear special shoes that prevent you from slipping. Don't want to learn that lesson the hard way. Uh, Those of you who work on construction sites need shoes with hard uh, soles and steel toes. Uh, Those of you who like to work out, you need shoes that are light and comfortable to be able to absorb the shock of the exercise. It's important to have the right footwear. I was just in Africa a couple of weeks, and we met this guy. I got a picture up here on the screen. This is from the famous Maasai uh, tribe in Africa. These guys are often shown in images To tourists, Uh, these are the ones who are the warrior types, love to jump up and down. Uh, Well, anyway, we met this guy in Kenya. He hiked there from Tanzania, which is over 1,200 miles away. Walked there. He should have some good footwear, so let's check out. These are the kind of shoes he wore. Uh, take Take a closer look. You know what those shoes are made out of? Motorcycle tires. (laughs) <laughs> he said that those shoes ought to last him about 20 to 25 
years. Yeah, I think if you're going to hike 1,200 miles, you might want to have a good pair of shoes. <laughs> Never underestimate the importance of good footwear. Because here's the deal. You could have all the gear. You could have a helmet, gloves, the uniform, the trendiest outfit. But if you don't have the right shoes, you're not going to get very far. Today, we're going to talk about footwear. Specifically, what the Bible has to say about the shoes that followers of Jesus need to wear in order to step onto the battlefield. So today we are continuing with part four of our series about spiritual warfare that we're calling Battle Ready. And in the New Testament book of Ephesians chapter six, the Apostle Paul implores believers, followers of Jesus everywhere to make sure we understand that we are in the right battle. Let's read along together. This is Ephesians six, and we're gonna begin things in verse 11, you could either read out of your own Bibles or follow with me on the screens. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you could take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, our enemy is not a physical one. It is a spiritual one, and his name is Satan. And our battle is not a physical one. It's a spiritual one. It takes place for the heart. Satan and his armies are advancing and waging war on our hearts, appealing to the sin nature that's already there, trying to get us off course, and we have to wake up to that reality. The Apostle Paul was an interesting guy. He traveled all over the Roman Empire telling others about Jesus. He went to Jewish regions, Greek regions, Asian regions, telling people the good news of Jesus Christ, sharing his own story about he, how he was dramatically transformed from being an enemy of Jesus to being an evangelist for Jesus. And many people gave their lives to Christ. Paul planted churches all over the place. But as he stated, there is a spiritual war raging and not everybody was happy about all this Jesus talk. Paul going into these dangerous regions and preaching about Jesus, it eventually caught up with him, and he was arrested several times. And one of the, uh, the sentences he received as a result was being placed on house arrest and being chained to a Roman soldier. In fact, at the end of his teaching on spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul said this, verse 19, he said, pray for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. This was the context that Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. He was literally chained to a Roman soldier. And so he could receive visitors, but every single day he's looking down at the other end of that chain and seeing this soldier who is very close to him. And you just, you just wonder... If day after day, Paul's looking at this guy and thinking, you know, this soldier here, he's battle ready. I mean, look at his gear. Look at the belt, the breastplate, the boots, the shield, the helmet, the sword. This guy's ready for battle. I wonder if Paul started thinking, if, if only followers of Jesus were suited up and ready for battle like this guy, only not with the armor of men, with the armor of God. And Paul's imagination started to get captured. And this soldier who is on the other end of this chain became the unwilling subject of Paul's words. 
So I want you to picture the Apostle Paul chained to a Roman soldier as he penned these words about spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6, verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So Paul's telling followers of Jesus everywhere, let's take a page from the Roman Empire and let's get suited up. And if we're going to fight a spiritual war, we're going to need spiritual weapons. And so he lists them out here, beginning with the belt of truth. The belt which is what holds all the armor together. And putting on the belt of truth means following the truth, the way, the truth, and the life in Jesus Christ. And then he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is what we talked about last week. The breastplate protects the heart from enemy attack, but also by living righteously, we can take the attack to the enemy. Then he talks about the boots of peace. That will be our subject for today. Next week, the shield of faith, followed by the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So Paul says, we are to put all of these pieces on, put on the full armor of God, and when we do, we will be battle ready. But even so, each of these pieces possesses great individual power for the believer. And so let's start today by talking about the boots of peace. So Roman soldiers changed the game when it came to footwear. You see, what they did was they took their shoes and they, they put under them little spikes. They called them hobnails. I think we have a picture of that to, to, to show you what, what they had. And the, the modern equivalent of this would be like cleats worn by a soccer player or a football player to give them better footing. This is what the Roman soldiers would use to, to stand their ground when the initial onslaught of the enemy hit. See, back in those days, they, the, the armies would clash and try to push each other back. You've seen this in movies with the big epic battle scenes, you know, like Braveheart or Lord of the Rings. You know, on one side you have one army, and on the other side you have the other army, and then some guy with face paint starts screaming, and they all run into the middle and slam against each other, right? That's where that initial push begins. And so they, they try to shove the other army back, but because the Roman soldiers had those hobnails in their shoes, they were able to stand firm against the enemy onslaught and then advance forward. And so Paul said, followers of Jesus, these are the kinds of shoes you need too. You need these kinds of boots, but not just any boots, boots of peace. What kind of peace was he referring to? Paul was talking about peace with God. Now, this seems like an odd choice of words because we're talking about war. So Paul's suggesting that the way to wage war is to wage peace. <laughs> How does that make sense? Well, it's helpful when you understand the enemy. Listen to how the Apostle Peter described our enemy in 1 Peter 5.8. He said, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, as I mentioned, I was just in Africa a couple of weeks ago, and I literally saw a roaring lion. And the lion I saw was roaring quietly, and that was terrifying enough. I can't imagine how overcome by fear I would be if I heard a lion roaring at full blast. 
But what lions do is they, they roar to scare the prey. And so the animals, when they hear the roar of the lion, they go running in every direction, all confused. And then the lion goes and it seeks one that it could devour. And this is one of the schemes that the enemy uses against you and I. Once he roars, he gets us all chaotic, chaotic and confused, and he brings disorder into our world. And that's why Paul says the weapon is peace. Because when you have peace with God, you're not running all over the place. You're standing firm. And when you have peace, that's what takes the fight to the enemy. So Paul says, strap on these boots of peace, feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. So how do I get this kind of peace? How do I put on these boots of peace? Well, I'm going to give you a couple of practical ways to do that this morning. So if you're taking notes, jot this down. But we've got to start with the absolute first step. This is the starting point. Number one, to put on the boots of peace, we must receive God's peace. It's a gift. The bad news is we can't attain it on our own. The good news is Jesus actually gifts it to us for free. Our job is to reach out and receive it. This is what Paul says about receiving the gift of peace. This is Romans 5.1. He says, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way for you and I to have peace with God is through faith in Christ. But see, many people believe that peace with God is our default position. It's our starting point. We're, we're born innocent. We're, we're born into peace with God. In fact, maybe you've heard somebody say before, we're all God's children. That sounds nice. It just isn't biblical. Paul agreed, we are all children, just not God's children. Listen to what he said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. He says, we were by nature children of wrath, <laughs> not children of God. Quite the opposite. By nature, we were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Grace simply means an undeserved gift. And Jesus offers this gift to everyone for free. And the reason why it's free is because he paid the price in full when he died on the cross. Has somebody ever offered a gift to you that you just had a really hard time accepting? <laughs> Maybe they tried to pick up the check at a restaurant or they brought you something really big on your birthday and you took one look at this thing and you said, I can't take this. It's too much. It's too expensive. I don't deserve this. I cannot accept this. And how does the gift giver respond? Well, if they're a really close friend, they might say to you, would you just shut up and take the gift? <laughs> I want to do this for you. I love to give gifts, and I love you, so just receive the gift. And that's what Jesus is saying to all of us. He's like, I've, I've given you this gift 
By, by laying down his life, he's paid for the sins of all of the world so that you and I don't have to. And he's, he's gift wrapping. He's, he's putting it under the tree and say, here it is. You just need to receive it. Yet so many of us walk through life going right past that gift, never receiving it, not realizing that this gift is the forgiveness of my sins. This gift is the power of God in me. This gift represents my transformation of being a child of wrath to being a child of God. This gift represents peace with Almighty God. Who wouldn't accept it? And herein lies the spiritual war. Because Satan sees Jesus offering this gift to you and I for free, and in comes his army trying to drive us back. Here comes the temptation. Come on, give in to your appetites. Don't follow Jesus. It's too many rules, too restrictive, too conservative. Here comes the distraction. Look this way, look that way, look at your phones, look at everybody else, compare yourself to others, just whatever you do, don't look at Jesus. And here comes the accusation. You're not good enough to take this, you don't deserve this, you're a sinner, You've too, you're too messed up, you're too far gone, you're a failure. And just like that, the enemy is driving us back further and further and further until we get to the edge of the cliff. And this is the moment where we need to cry out to Jesus. I receive the gift. I give you my life. I place my faith in you. Please, Jesus, help me. And it's in this moment, this receiving of this gift by faith, that you are immediately transferred to the winning army. And the hobnails grow out of your shoes and stick in that soil and allow you to stand your ground against the enemy onslaught. But it can only happen when we humble ourselves and realize, I can't do this by myself. But Jesus, you can. I receive this gift by faith. This is absolutely the starting point to putting on the boots of peace. Number one. Receive God's peace. Here's the second thing. Remember God's peace. How many of you have ever been in a situation that's been so chaotic or difficult or stressful that you just completely lost your mind? Your, your brain just went totally foggy. I can't tell you how many times uh, I've got a million things on my mind and I walk out of my office, down to my car, only to realize that all of my keys are in the building that just locked behind me. <laughs> and so I'm backtracking. Hey, anybody got keys I could borrow? Like a knucklehead, right? I can't tell you how many times my mind has been so clouded that I drove right past my exit off the freeway. <laughs> the exit I've taken a thousand times, right? You've done the same thing, routine things that just completely you missed. I mean, how many of you left the house in the morning only later to discover that you forgot to put on deodorant <laughs> or you forgot to brush your teeth or you forgot to change out of your flip-flops? Here you are working in a professional environment in your nice outfit and flip-flops, right? I mean, these are routine things day after day, but because you have so much going on, so many thoughts, you're forgetting even the basics. This is absolutely a scheme of the enemy creates so much stress and chaos and disorder and distraction in your life that you'll, remember, you'll, you'll forget the basics. And this is where the Christian is called to remember God's peace. 
I love how the Old Testament prophet Isaiah says it. This is Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Same concept of remembering who God is. Isaiah used the words fixing our thoughts or remaining steadfast. It's reminding ourselves of who God is. And so many of us have forgotten even the basics. But the promise is when we fix our eyes on this stuff, when we remember, when we remind ourselves of who God is, the promise is that you will be kept in perfect peace. And maybe today you're struggling with sadness and depression and wondering if there's anything left to live for. Remind your heart of this. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our God of hope has the power to, to fill your heart to overflowing and that will guide you in peace. Remind yourself of that. Maybe some of you today are struggling with so-called Christians who are gossiping and being divisive and it's got you all twisted up. Remind yourself of these words of 1 Corinthians 14, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Don't listen to divisive people. They aren't representing the God of peace. Maybe today you're struggling with anxiety and your mind is running wild with all of the worst-case scenarios of the latest problem you're facing. Remind yourself of these words in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There is a crazy kind of peace available to you and I but it comes when we are continually bringing our requests to God. Don't you find it interesting that peace doesn't come when we get our prayers answered? Peace comes when we simply bring our requests to God. And it's a kind of peace that guards both heart and mind. And maybe today you're just struggling with being overwhelmed by the state of our world. Inflation, wars, all the immorality, mass shootings, political agendas. Maybe you just feel so overwhelmed by it all and you're ready to give up and quit. Remind yourself of Jesus' words in John 16, when he said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, many of you have committed that verse to memory, not even realizing that's the second part of what Jesus said. Here's the whole of what Jesus said in that verse. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus is saying that he's already won the war. You and I are just fighting in the leftover battles. That ought to give your heart some peace. You see, once you receive peace with God, you can have peace of God. But we gotta remind ourselves so what do you need to do this week to remind yourself of who God is so that he will keep your heart in perfect peace? Maybe you need to write down some of these verses and on a card and put them on the dashboard of your car or in the corner of your mirror or on a sticky note on your laptop. Maybe you need to listen to music that reaffirms the truths of the Bible. Fill your cars and fill your homes and, and fill your headphones with worship songs that remind you of who God is so that you may be kept in perfect peace. It's a promise, 
But we have to remind ourselves of who God is. That's one of the other ways to put on the boots of peace. Starts when we receive God's peace. The second is to remember God's peace. Here's the third. Relay God's peace. What do you think of when you hear the word relay? Maybe a relay race? You know how it works. One runner completes their distance and they pass the baton to the next runner. They relay it. The word relay literally means to carry forward. And this is the command that followers of Jesus are given when it comes to this gospel of peace. Let's go back to the words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, when he said, Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The word gospel simply means good news. And followers of Jesus are to be ready to share the good news with others. This was affirmed by another apostle, the apostle Peter, who said this in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Part of putting on the boots of peace, having our feet fitted with the readiness of the good news, the gospel of peace, is simply opening our eyes to the opportunities all around us to share the good news that Jesus Christ can bring us peace with God. You see, the the boots of peace are not just a defensive weapon, they're an offensive weapon. They're defensive in in that they help us stand firm against the enemy onslaught, but they're offensive in that they allow us to advance against the enemy. The Roman soldiers needed to have the right boots to traverse over the harsh terrains. And followers of Jesus are commanded to do the same thing, to put on the boots of peace so that we could traverse over the the sloggy muds of doubt, to traverse over the jagged rocks of fear, to traverse over the fiery sands of indifference, to bring this good news of Jesus Christ to others. Let me give you a couple of ways that you could be thinking about this. Wear your battle-ready shirt or your battle-ready bracelet, and then listen for this. Someone's going to say, hey, I like your shirt, or hey, I like your bracelet. And because you've put on the boots of peace, you have the readiness, that's going to be your cue to say, well, let me tell you about what that means. Here's another way. Maybe you're um, out to lunch with some coworkers or catching up with an old friend or sitting in the barber's chair, and somebody asks you, so, you got any fun plans for the weekend? Instead of immediately jumping into small talk about all the fun things to do in Southern California, tell them, oh, I'm going to church this Sunday. And then tell them why you go to church. And then tell them that you go to Sunrise Church. And then tell them why you love Sunrise Church. And then invite them to come with you to Sunrise Church. But then you actually have to show up the next Sunday so that you're there and it's not awkward when they come looking for you, right? Here's one more way. Be on the lookout for this. When someone opens up a small window into their heart to you, when somebody's just a little bit vulnerable with you, and they share something personal, maybe it's a struggle with raising a teenager, or something about their body image, or they're struggling with a bad habit, for example. What they are doing is dipping their toe in the water 
This is their subtle way of asking you for help. And when you have your feet fitted with the readiness to share the gospel, you're looking for this opportunity. And this is your chance to share with somebody the good news of Jesus Christ in a way that is humble and authentic. But we've got to be on the lookout. That's part of having these shoes ready. It's to move forward. You know, each week, uh, part of my routine here is before and after services, I just kind of walk around and, and talk with people. And last week, I, I heard a phrase that came up several times in different ways as I, as I chatted with different people. I'd say hello and ask somebody, how you doing? And I heard in a variety of different ways people say, I'm good now that I'm at church. When I come here, I feel peace. And I, I love that. My hope is that when you come to Sunrise Church, you experience peace with God. And I want you to love your church. I want you to be proud of your church. I want you to feel comfortable inviting others to your church. But at the same time, I, I do want to issue us a warning. I want to make sure that we don't fall into the trap of believing that peace is a location. You see, the boots of peace mean I could take the good news of Jesus Christ with me wherever I go. And that is an opportunity presented to every single one of us. When I was 14 years old, I went on my first mission trip. My little youth group from New Jersey went to an impoverished area in the Appalachian Mountains of West Virginia. And before we left, we did a little clothing drive from the church, you know, donate all of your old things. And, uh, and so they brought them all, and part of our preparation for this trip was to sort through all of the clothes to uh, you know, make sure they were presentable to others. And because I was an idiot 14-year-old who didn't know anything about anything, I made fun of a lot of the clothes that got donated. You know, picking up this shirt, oh, look how ratty this thing is. Who would wear this, you know? And I'll never forget that I saw the ugliest pair of shoes I've ever seen in my life that somebody donated. I still remember them. They were a high-top pink Reeboks. They had these really thick soles, these, these weird large tongues on them. I mean, they looked terrible. I'm like, no wonder somebody wanted to donate these things. Whatever, so we throw them in the bag and off we go. So we get to West Virginia, and, and part of what we were doing was going around to homes and knocking on doors and asking people if they'd be interested in any of these clothes that we're donating as just a means of potentially opening the door to the gospel. Well, on one particular day, we were standing in the parking lot of the church, and the pastor pointed up the side of the mountain to this trailer that was all the way up there. You know, it's very mountainous in that, in that area. And he said, we ought to bring clothes up to that trailer up there. Now, we could drive there, but it would take an hour because the roads wind all around. He goes, but I bet a couple of you guys could hike up that mountain and get there in about 10 minutes. So we teenage boys saw this as a challenge, you know, so grabbed the bag of clothes, slung it over our shoulder, and up the side of this thing we started going. And it was, it was, it was pretty rough. It was very, very jagged, a lot of sharp rocks, tons of broken beer bottles and glass everywhere. And so we get all the way to the top and knock on the door of this trailer, and a gentleman opens, and we say, hey, we're just from the church down the hill, and we've got some clothes here that we want to bless people with. Would you be interested? And so he invites us in, and I remember him and his daughters started rummaging through the bags of clothes. I remember this teenage girl came across these pink Reebok high tops and her eyes lit up. These things were like three sizes too big for her. And she's pulling them out, I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, listen, if you want them, they're yours, you know? Don't think much about it. 
couple of days later, it's Sunday, and we're worshiping with this little church here in West Virginia. And I'll never forget looking back of the church, and in through the doors walks this teenage girl wearing these pink Reebok high tops. And I would later learn that she was so poor, her shoes were so worn down, and her only way to get to church was to walk, but she couldn't make it down those jagged rocks until somebody came and brought her shoes with thick soles. Those ugly pink Reeboks brought this girl to church, but more importantly, those ugly shoes brought the church back to that girl's home. It makes me think of the words of the Apostle Paul quoting the Old Testament, Romans 10, 15, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. When you and I are bringing this gospel of peace to others, our feet are declared as beautiful. Now, let's be honest. How many of you are totally grossed out by feet? Hands up. I, I, I get it. Come on. We know. We know. Some of you are really grossed out by feet, and some of you have some nasty feet. Some of you have feet that got corns on them. Some of you have feet that have bunions on them. Some of you have had toes removed off of your feet. Some of you have more hair on your feet than you do on your heads, right? So look, I get it. Feet can be nasty. But let me tell you something. Everybody look down at your feet for just a second. We all have stinky feet. <laughs> but here's the deal. Even my nasty feet, when I'm bringing the good news of the gospel, God thinks these feet are beautiful. You can hate on my feet all you want. <laughs> but when I bring the good news of Jesus Christ with me, Jesus thinks these feet are beautiful. <laughs> And he thinks the same thing about you. So now I'm going to slide on my battle-ready sliders. This is what we call product placement. <laughs> Our communications team has done a great job of just making some things available for purchase to help us creatively remember uh, the, the armor of God. And he made these, these sliders. But listen, the Apostle Paul said that we are to relay this peace to others. That we're to, to, to bring it to others. So what he says is that the way to wage war on the enemy is to wage peace. And that doesn't really feel like it makes sense, but it does when you understand this very important truth. When you are at peace with God, you are at war with the devil. But when you are at peace with the devil, you are at war with God. And the reality is, there are some of us in here and watching online who have gotten way too at peace with things in our lives that are evil, harmful, and hurtful. There are some of us who we've grown way too comfortable with things that gotta go. They're hurting us and they're hurting others. And maybe in this moment, Jesus is whispering into your ear, and he's saying to you, you know that the thing you are missing is peace with God. All this other stuff that you got, it's not doing it. How you're living is not working. It's time to make a change. It's time to give your life to Jesus.
Have you ever intentionally invited Christ into your life to receive peace with God? If you've never done that, I want to help you do that today. In just a moment, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. Sometimes we call it the sinner's prayer or the salvation prayer. It just begins with confessing our sins and saying, I I can't actually save myself. It doesn't matter how good I am. I actually can't save myself. I need you, Jesus. I place my faith in you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Jesus, change me, mold me, help me. If you've never intentionally prayed a prayer like that, I want to help you do that right now. In fact, I want to invite everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes just to help us focus a little bit. And you know you better than anyone else knows you. And if you've never intentionally invited Jesus into your life, I want to help you do that right now by giving you a prayer you could repeat after me in the silence of your heart. And if you pray this and earnestly mean it, God will hear you from heaven and he will receive you. So if you want to invite Christ into your life right now, repeat after me in the silence of your heart. Jesus, today I invite you into my life. Just lift that straight up to him. Jesus, today I invite you into my life. I confess my sins to you. And that list is long. But I believe you paid for all my sins when you died on the cross and took the penalty meant for me. Today, I place my faith in you. And I ask that you change my heart from the inside out so I could leave my old life behind and live a life that honors you. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I want to encourage you to not just stop here. Maybe you sense God is speaking to you today and wanting you to take that next step. So here's two ways you can do just that. The first is text the word next to the number 909-281-7797. That's 909-281-7797. You'll receive a message back with some ways to help you grow. That may mean joining a small group or finding a place to serve or just talking with someone one-to-one about your faith. You can also visit the notes for this podcast and follow the links provided. And if you're within driving distance of one of our four physical locations in Banning, Ontario, Rialto, or Victorville, we'd love for you to stop by sometime and give us a chance to meet you personally. Again, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope to see you soon. God bless.